0: From a whisper to a roar, our voice has grown in strength and volume. Echoes from our past guide our future as we explore the woman's voice. Julie has a deep understanding on both the effects of food and lifestyle to women's health and I am delighted to welcome here today, Dr. Julie Becerra.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm glad that you've created this platform so that we can all open up our minds and hearts to what it means, what women's voice means.
0: Absolutely. And as as you know, in your in your life, in your journey, in the the hundreds of women that you've influenced and been influenced by. Indeed, I think that that your story of your life has brought you to here and, and making sure that you have an impact that is incredibly personal and important in today's world. So thank you for being here. Uh, I want to kick off by asking you a question that I love asking everyone. And it starts with... Do you lo- love the
1: sound of your own voice? Hmm. Well, I-, I could say that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, be- I'd say it's because something happens lovely with age, while everything else sort of starts to decline. the wonderful thing that happens with age, and I tell my patients this all the time, don't worry, it'll you know you'll be better with age. but <laughs> you become you feel more authentic in yourself you feel that what you know what's projecting from you comes from a a place of partially experience and partially feeling a bit more whole in who you are so i think the voice projects that wholeness and and so it feels nice it feels nice to yourself to to hear your voice and yeah, but I never used to feel like that. I think I come from a family of uh, people that think too much before they speak. Absolutely. And, and when that happens, it's not it's not true and authentic. yeah. No,
0: absolutely. And I love the word that you've used there, which is essential. And that is feel, you know, I teach people not to just listen to their voice. Of course they have to listen to their voice, but to actually feel the voice and feel the, the relevance of the meaning of the word that you're, that you're articulating. And you're right. As you get older, the voice really does uh, take on a new meaning, I think, because of our our wise wisdom and our experience. So I think that that uh, that's a great uh, way of wrapping it up is that we are feeling our voice. Mm-hmm. This one is also a question that usually tricks people up because they don't think of their voice in colours. But if you had to describe these voices as a colour, what would it be? So if I said Oprah Winfrey to you, what colour do you think her voice is?
2: Ruby Red.
0: Oh, I like that. I she, like
1: that. She's she powerful. You know, she's strong. She's got a a royalty about her, you know, mm-hmm. so I think Ruby Red.
0: Absolutely. I think for me, there's always inflections of purple. I don't know if that's because she was in the color purple, but there's always that layering. So I think I can see that ruby red. And uh, what texture do you think, let's add that into it. What texture do you think should be in ruby red? Velvet. Absolutely. Isn't it interesting? We can actually articulate this. Mm -hmm. People don't think about it this way. What about, here's one, Donald
1: Trump. Oh, the person I try not to think too much about. Well, Mm -hmm. look, you know, uh, you may want to cut this but sort of poo brown, you know, because that's what comes from his mouth. But I should never say that. (laughs) But probably with with sincerity, probably baby blue because he's so childlike. Mm. You know, there's not... There's not a lot that comes from him that feels beyond that. And mm. so uh, that's just one perspective. I would say baby blue.
0: Yeah, I see him as transparent. Mm-hmm. I see a, a very um a very mucky colour, like a Japanese shrine door. You know how you can sort of see mm-hmm. through that and it's a colour, but it's not a colour. That's mm-hmm. how I see him because it's a nice yeah. What about Lady Diana?
1: Well, that's a sad story because I don't think she ever found her voice.
0: But what do you feel when you hear her voice?
1: Oh, I feel, yeah, it's not strong to me. That's not how I hear her. It's not Mm -hmm. strong. I would say a very soft pink.
0: That's interesting because I have pink in my mind too. Mm. Yeah. It's it's feminine and it's there. And I think it has the potential of the growth, but it didn't quite that get there. Of course, she she got shut down.
1: Yeah, that's right. All
0: right. So, in reflection to those colours, what color do you think your voice
1: is? Mm -hmm. I would say a bit of but have to, I'd have to say blue. And it would have to be a sort of a like a sapphire blue, okay. I would think would be nice. my my voice. Yeah, is, is that
0: the colour you want it to be?
1: Uh, no, I'd probably like it to be golden and shiny. Really.
0: Oh. Mm. Okay, that's interesting because I've always thought you've got a beautiful voice. Oh. So, and and I probably would put you into the bracket more of of Oprah. Mm.
1: Well, yes, but you know we don't want to flatter ourselves, do we?
0: Oh, that's an interesting point, isn't it?
1: Voice, mm. voice is one thing, but mm. therefore what we say. But no, I would say you know I'm, I'm a I'm a big I I feel a lot of things about me a sapphire blue, so and I, and I do I, I I'm fine with with the tones of my voice. Um, I think it's it's tone is really important. It mm. says a lot, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely what tone do you see most women speaking to themselves in, in your practice? Mm.
1: Well, I see women in in their most vulnerable state. Mm. So they're, Tone varies according to whether they're sitting in front of me or whether I'm speaking to them on the phone when they're at work. So a lot of the women that I look after are uh, very successful, not all of them, but a lot of them are very successful women that have have had, uh, found a very strong voice to, to get where they are and overcome a lot of obstacles to get where they are. But once they're in a vulnerable state, you know, it's I I I see the voice a bit like um, what you can achieve uh, through something like meditation or yoga, for example, where you can achieve a certain state, but can you maintain it? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's an example of that. So you have these. Women that come in and they' vo- yeah, their voice becomes quite vulnerable, and they're experiencing a lot of insecurities, and you know they're trying most of them are trying to conceive or they've got hormonal issues or um, something that's disrupting them and really throwing them off. Mm. So their voice changes and becomes quite quite vulnerable and asking for help. When someone's asking for help, their tone changes.
0: And you I would imagine you've become really good at identifying what state that person is in, you'd have to be able to be very sympathetic to where they're they're positioning themselves. Where do you think that skill has come from for yourself in, that you've learned to identify that?
1: I think some of it you have as a natural ability to start with and the rest of it just comes from doing it all the time. And things come out of my mouth in a consultation that I just think, where where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot more to a any interaction than just you and I or the patient and I, there's a lot of factors that come into it and you, you're you there. Like, so some of it is natural and I have the ability to be very empathetic anyway and so that gives me a certain warmth and that brings out a lot of things in the dialogue that might not naturally come out. But... Yeah no, I think it's just you just learn it. It's just it's just something that the more you sit with people, the more you understand how to how to give and how to receive. Well, you know, my my motto in life is give more than you receive. So I'm Mm -hmm. just always dishing dishing out. You know, dishing out. Mm -hmm. I.
0: I think that your work and I do know some of your work quite well in that you would sit in front of people and work on a vibrationary sense or an intuitive sense as well, that you can pick up on things in people that they don't even know about. Is that something that you are aware of in your practice?
1: Um. I hear about it more because sometimes you don't know you're picking up on something unless mm. someone feeds back that, that information to you. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. It's not like it's a, I mean, I believe we're all psychic if you want to use that mm. word. I believe we all have the capacity for that. You just have to be really open. And if you're open your heart and you open your mind, then things flow For the person that's with you, you know, most people that come to see me, and this isn't to put anyone off coming to see (laughs) me, but um, most people do end up having a cry. Mm. Now, I'm very comfortable with that because I see the beauty and the transformation that can come from opening up. Uh, But that's an ability that I have that, yes, I, I definitely know how to assist people in moving forward and growth. And that could could we could go on about forever, but that yeah. could be in different directions because the reason that they came to me may not necessarily be where they end up going.
0: That's right. Sometimes you can be a just a, a passing through. You yeah. You've got to direct them in a different way. Jules, why do you think so many women find it difficult to find their voice today?
1: I don't think it's as bad as it has been in the past, but I think we're stuck in that middle road a bit where there's the opportunity for women to step up, but not everyone's ready, you know. See, we we all have to hold each other's hand a bit and those that are a little bit hesitant say come you know, come with us. I've I've been fortunate in my life that I haven't had too many blockages in regards to being a female. Um, and I've got several theories on that, but some of it's my foundation and in my, my practices that I do. But also I think it's because my voice sounds fairly strong. Mm. Now, I hear a lot of female voices because I primarily work in women's health. So I hear a lot. I hear I hear voices that I can't believe
2: <laughs>
1: come from women. You know, wow. just like incredibly meek, and they're talking to me, like it's it's unbelievable. You know, wow. but, but that's who they are at this time
0: and that snapshot of time.
1: Yes, yes. so. If you have a voice like that, then there's a vulnerability that comes out of you, and I think that that doesn't always work well in let's call it a man's world Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because women can be interpreted in a certain way. I think it's really changing, though, because a lot of women that I work with that are uh, very, very feminine in their, their whole attire that used to be seen in a certain light. Now it's not. Mm. Now it's like I think men are a little bit more, we don't know who's about to walk through this door, so let's watch out. Yeah. We know it's a woman, but let's just watch out. Yes. Because it may not be what it looks like
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the outside.
2: hmm So,
0: I don't believe in my practice personally that you can lose your voice. Now, are we talking physical voice or are we talking internal voice? And the two very much dance around each other, but I'm probably talking more about the internal voice right now. And I, I believe that we're born with a voice. We're born with the ability to communicate through vibration. We can change those tiny little nuances and inflections with breath pressure as babies to say this is me. And as we grow older, we start to become more conditioned into society and we start making agreements with ourselves and we start disconnecting from the voice that we were born with. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that or do you feel that it is possible to lose your voice.
1: Oh, I think life experience because, you know, everyone's life experience is very different and and some people have massive, massive things that can change Mm -hmm. their voice in in a negative or a positive light. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I've seen women that have had stillborn babies, which I've unfortunately had a few of those around my practice and Mm -hmm they lose their voice for quite some time in, in a really sad way. It's, yeah. it's, it's a really difficult thing to do because anything that completely uproots you is going to change your foundation for sure. Yes.
2: yeah.
1: I think that our voice is a lot to do with how we think about ourselves, how we interpret who we are, and that voice and that interpretation can change in my, in from the way, see, the way we see voice could be different too. That's right. You're a voice right. coach, I'm a practitioner, I hear voice, but in a different way. Mm. So I think there's a choice. There's a choice. There's so, there's so much stuff is in our minds of who we think we are, what we think we're capable of. And I think that beautiful young girl, Amanda Gorman, who spoke um, for the inauguration in the US, said it so beautifully um, at at the end of her speech and um, I wish I had it in front of me. But, you know, saying, you know, that you wake up in the morning and you decide, where am I going? you know, what am I doing? What does this day bring? How will I approach this day? And do I choose to be brave and courageous and take on this day? Or do I choose to step into this day feeling unsure and vulnerable? And I think all those things affect your voice.
0: Absolutely. Choice is the the primary component in this. And I've got another question here of when you're working with women and you've just mentioned um, the unfortunate scenario of stillborn. At what point do you see the shift generally start to change where they start to use their voices again and how do you get them to that point?
1: So the first thing I do is I ask people To, well, a lot of people need uh, counseling and and et cetera, but I ask them to grieve Mm. and to welcome themselves, to give themselves permission to grieve, because not everyone wants to go there. Those uncomfortable things that we feel, and, you know, one, it could be anger, you know, anger is uncomfortable too. Those things that we feel take us across a line. So it's like a growth or I say to patients, you're like a cabbage, you know, you've got to take off all those layers of the cabbage to get to the good part that's nice and edible and life is like that. So it's giving themselves permission to grieve, so it's one layer and then it's finding acceptance of, and it's the same with my patients that are trying to conceive, you know, they get to a point where uh, it's just not going to happen. And they've done everything they can for a very, very long time. Same thing. You've got to grieve that process, and you've and find acceptance. Then I, I attempt to encourage them to find what brings them joy. Mm. So when you find what brings you joy, it changes you internally, and internally is where voice changes, where perspective changes, where life takes a new course. Yeah.
0: So life choices, we can safely say, affect the tone of the voice. Mm. Yeah. And I see it all the time in my practice, even though it's not a medical practice. I see it, you know, 45 year old woman who's gone through a bit of divorce with three children. She's now on her own. She's educated uh, and she needs to get back into the workplace. So she goes for an interview. And she leads into that interview with a tone that is full of the experiences that she's been through and in a negative way. Mm. And and we've all been around people that you walk away from them and you feel exhausted. Mm. So she walked into that space and unfortunately the person that's interviewing her can't get past that energy of bitterness and betrayal and desperation. So... I work quite uh, intensely to help move my clients past that space if indeed they're in that space. Do you see that similarly as well in the experience of of the practice and what's your methodology in, in moving them past that so that they don't lead with that despair? Well, it's
1: what the choices are that they're making uh, on a daily basis would be part of it. So if you want to look at well-being, so well-being is is a really much more powerful word than we give it uh, credit for. So finding balance in life is probably the ultimate to me in this lifetime. You know, I think we're here to learn and we're here to find balance Now that balance can mean a whole lot of things. It can be, uh, what you you know, are you walking? And they're very simple things. These Mm. things do not cost money. Mm. Am I stretching? You know, where where animals stretch? You know, my dog stretches if it hears the gate go. it, It stretches before it bolts to bark. You know, so animals know they need to stretch all the time. We don't. We hold on to stuff. You can't grow. You can't have a good voice when you're holding on to tension. So, and diet, what are we eating? Are we eating phlegmy, mucousy food? And you can hear it, you know, when mm-hmm. someone's speaking. It's it's so important to have that balance. And the way I see balance is it's like a, a seesaw. You know, the middle bit that's holding the seesaw is it, it, it just helps – it just flows with where everything else around you is going. So that's Lydia. or another one is like a, is a guitar string or any string instrument. You know, I say to patients, you want that string, you don't want it all so tight that you can't play that guitar because the string's going to snap. Mm. You don't want it so loose and flabby that you can't play it. You want it just right. And that to me is life, is that constant retuning, retuning of the string and not being down on yourself when you go out of tune, just Mm -hmm. retuning a little bit here, a little bit there. Not, you know, a lot of my patients work out so hard. They're high achievers and their guitar string is so tight, they're going to snap. And you almost need them to snap,
2: mm.
1: you know, and you can hear it. You hear that in the voice too.
0: Absolutely. It, um, if you're talking musically, it, it pitches sharp. So that gives you that on edge, mm. constant aggravation in that undertone. So that's mm. a really, really great analogy. Uh, I know in my experience in in going through the health trials that I've been through that the hormone system, and I'm going to tag in there also the digestive system. Two <laughs> rather large systems are <laughs> uh, the root of all disease, and uh, you know can get so out of balance and be the menace for so many ailments. Mm. I think in talking about the voice, really coming coming back to today. What's the things that, that women, the choices that women are making that are not supporting their system so that they're going to feel joy de vivre every day and have that energy for life, but also the physical voice? Can you just t- tap into that on your perspective?
1: Well, I wish that... We were taught as very young girls about our hormones.
0: Absolutely, hallelujah! Me too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we would understand ourselves so much better, and men too. You know, it's it's not just women. Men have hormonal cycles, and and we have ours. So, the the health of our hormones. Well, first of all, you know one of, one of the most common issues that we have that can throw our hormones out of whack is is our thyroid, mm-hmm. and our thyroid is so affected by our environment, by foods that we eat, um, and emotional stuff. But, but but really, we're we're looking at more nutritional um, lifestyle stuff. So that and and the messengers that talk to our thyroid, come from our gut. So the microbiome of the gut is this great communicator. It's like the, I don't know what IT people would call it, but it's, you know, where all the information is stored. Yes. That has to be in good nick to communicate to the thyroid uh, and to the liver, for example. So the liver is responsible for flushing out all our excess hormones a primary one being estrogen. So, you know, we don't, most people know these days there's a lot of uh, cancers are estrogen-based and that's that excess buildup of estrogen. And the liver needs to be getting that message being told, get rid of this excess estrogen. And so it does a really important job. So liver health, super important, but gut health to be that messenger Get the microbiome to be sending that message. And when all those wires, when all those communicators are uh, 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 there's no one running the ship, which is the gut, the microbiome, no one running the ship, then things start to collapse. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we understand. And then it also up here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's, you know, exactly. our, our gut affects us emotionally you know so when that's not healthy our mind's not healthy either um so it's all just at all everything comes back to the gut
0: everything and everything. unfortunately I, I do think there's a lot more awareness of it coming through now uh and you know the eastern philosophies have been practicing a lot of this for many years but I do think it's still got a ways to go so you know in a broad brushstroke How do people start making better choices? What should they be doing? And I always have in my mind you talking about cheese. Cheese from an Ayurvedic perspective um, is something that I I haven't gone near for years. And if I do still today, if I happen to put a piece of cheese in my mouth, I have huge reactions to it. Um, What are some things that you can recommend that people start to perhaps eliminate from their diet?
1: Okay, so this is a really big one, Lisa, because every single person is different.
2: Absolutely.
1: So I am not a believer in eliminating particular things unless there's a reason to do so. Mm. If something doesn't make you feel well, there's your answer right there. Love that. But the important, and and you have to play with that. That's part. That's that's part of us learning as well. Is Listen to yourself. Don't you don't doesn't all come from a book or from a practitioner like me. Listen to yourself.
0: Can I just stop you there then? Yeah. So listening to yourself. See, I see that. that's your voice. That's your internal voice. <laughs> screaming at you. If you've got a rash around your face after eating something, mm. then that's a
1: voice that's screaming <laughs> at you. Yes. You don't, need, you, don't, you don't need to go Googling to find out about that. If, you've, if something's given you a reaction, uh, a, a classic one is I would say seven out of ten of every one of my patients tells me they suffer from bloating. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone wants a solution to that, but let's talk about what do you think making that happen? Oh, well, you know, it happens after I eat apples. Well, Let's not eat apples, you know. Now, once again, if your body is affected by certain foods, if you fix and strengthen the, the gut microbiome, then you can bring those foods back in again most of the time. You can usually handle them. But I think if someone's got a thyroid issue, a diagnosed thyroid issue, especially something like Hashimoto's, then, yes, you want to stay away from, from soy, gluten, um, at least for a while. Play with it. See how you feel. Now, when I say remove gluten, I don't mean go eating a whole lot of gluten-free products full of sugar. I just mean, you know, um, find find some healthier alternatives and they're out there now fortunately yes. but yes dairy is a big one and I don't think we necessarily need it there is you know everyone says well where am I going to get my calcium um, almonds broccoli there's we always think when we think calcium we think white milk mm. so programmed to think calcium white teeth Mm. You know, it's all this mental thing. But in mm. actual fact, there's massive amounts of calcium in foods that don't look like that.
0: And also if, you're, if your gut, let's use that as the central point, if your gut is working properly, then it's going to be able to absorb the calciums from those other foods more readily as well. If yes. your gut's not working properly, and correct me if I'm wrong, if your gut's not working properly, it's not going to absorb those other nutrients well.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And the other thing to remember too, if you if your gut is not strong and healthy, then there's no point pumping yourself with vitamins and supplements because all you're going to do is make a whole lot of work for your gut that it's, it's not in any shape t- to look after. Mm. So if you look back from the Chinese medical perspective, which is very similar to Ayurvedic uh, background as well, is, you know, there's the, there's the foods that support the gut health, cooked foods. You know, I'm a, very, I'm a big fan of raw food diets. I think it's great. There's a time and a place for it. There's a season for it. Mm-hmm. And there's a body type for it.
0: Now... Which isn't mine, incidentally. Right.
1: Right. Well, well that's the thing. And, and mine, mine there is according to the season. People horrify horrified when I say I never eat salad. hmm
0: but because of what my body's been through, I know, like you said before, eating, you know, the the analogy of eating an apple makes me feel bloated. Well, there's actually a thing called salad stomach I didn't know. Yes. Where this people that are quite slim and really, you know, look fantastic have a little pot belly. Yes. Salad stomach. I didn't
1: know that. I That's mean, right. It's, well, also we're, we're so easily... Misled by things we read and things that we're told. Now, you always want to find out what's the background of that information. Mm. Now, if you were to study uh, the chemistry of food, which I've, I have been fortunate enough to do, you will discover that yes, there are lots of foods that in their raw form you get the absolute prime. Nutrients that you could get from that food. Mm -hmm. There's other foods that, for example, to get the most beta carotene out of a carrot, it needs to be a little bit cooked. Mm So why would you not get the most out of it? And also what you're talking about too, which is that digestive thing, you know, not everyone can digest raw food. And it depends what you refer to as salad. Some people are fine with, with lettuce. Um, some people aren't. So, you know, it's really we're all so different and you have to experiment with food yourself. Yeah. You and,
0: and I- you know, I could stay on this topic for a very long time because of what I've gone through. And I I like to think that my internal guidance system or my internal voice has really saved my life in many, many ways because during being diagnosed with cancer and going through the Western um, medicine and understanding and being introduced to an Eastern philosophy, I started to really identify that there isn't one way of doing things, mm-hmm. and um, everybody needs to find out what works for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what you're saying. There is that. Don't just listen to the media. Okay, go and find answers. Go and ask questions. You mm-hmm. know, and this is a part of finding your voice if you if you've lost your voice or you need to reconnect with it you know I was always asking questions so do you think it's fair to say that over the last 50 years that we've become more saturated in the in the in the market that we don't listen to ourselves and we listen to what the ads say on the television at 8 30 at night that I need to have that chocolate coated ice cream. well, I, it's an ego thing as well. Like how do we circumvent that? I deserve that. I've worked hard, so I need to have
1: that. Well, f- first of all, that's a really great question because I was just talking to a young woman the other day who was asking me a, a bunch of questions and I asked her what she thought and felt about herself And she was a very attractive 23-year-old in great shape. Um, In fact, she's a PT trainer. But her view on herself was really quite negative. And so I asked her, you know, what do you do to find, to do that makes you happy? And she said, well, you know, I'm I'm not really that happy. But, you know, I I do things like um, I get my nails done my hair, and I work out. And I said, and and where's that level of happiness taking you? And she said, well, that's why I'm confused, Julie, because I think that that's going to make me happy. And I said, you focus." I said, it's lovely because you're young, you know, and, and it takes time to figure this out. You know, you've got to have compassion for these people. But we spend so much time on our exterior Mm. and our palates, our taste sensations, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, our senses, that we forget that if we only did a little bit of the work, not even the full amount, but a little bit of that work internally, we'd be so much happier. Mm. We'd be so much more content. Yeah. You know, and and to me, I know uh, three thousand percent that that is right. Hmm. That if you you can still do everything you do, you know, we don't have to become monks and, and live in a cave. <laughs> and you'll still have desires. You know, you'll still be able to run your business and and have your profiles. <laughs> <laughs> but if we go inwards first. You know, this is a big thing that I have, have discovered over the years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's certain emotions that come with ego, for example, uh, which brings lack of contentment. For example, um, you know, we're all so competitive these days. You know, how many followers do we have? You mm-hmm. know, how many people like me? Mm. Why do they like her better? But I'm better, you know, and it's so competitive that we've got, we've lost, we've lost that true self-worth, that self-love that gives us a voice Mm. that people can hear, that people go, I want to hear what she's got to say because I don't know where it's coming from. That's right. But I'm unfamiliar. I'm attracted to that. Yes. And that's what we want to strive for in my eyes.
0: Absolutely, and that's when it all starts to happen. Mm. But that's just not one thing. It's not take this tablet for five weeks and you're going to be better. No. That is a continuous practice and commitment.
1: Yep, do the work.
0: You've got to do the work. There is no shortcut. Nope fortunately <laughs> none. We are here to do the work. And I'm not even interested if anyone thinks there is. I don't want to have that conversation with anyone because I do not believe it anymore.
1: And if you do the work, I promise you, you'll be looking me up online to tell me thank you. But it's <laughs> it's a, it's it's the best that the gifts, you know, I'm a practitioner. People come to me, they pay me. Yes, I can help them with all kinds of things. But the greatest gift And I tell patients this every single day, and if any of them are listening, they'll be laughing. (laughs) Every day I say to patients, if you... Find whether it's meditation, which I think that that's the ultimate. So let's talk about that for as an example. Yes. If you find a way to learn to meditate, I don't care what path it is, whether there's a guru involved or whether it's just, you know, listening to the waves on the beach. If you find that, it'll be the greatest gift you will ever, ever give yourself. And there are a lot of other things you won't need. Yes. You won't need them.
0: It just falls by the wayside. Yep. So it's the greatest gift and it's free. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's many different ways that both you and I can help people to find paths.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: Jules, many people suffer from the imposter syndrome. Hmm. Do you see this in your practice and do you have a theory as to what imbalances may be contributing to this?
1: It's that mental dialogue, Mm. obviously, and that's just once again going back to what we're talking about, they haven't done the internal work yet. It's too much external and so the chatter, so the the. The words, you know, we all go there, you know, yeah. I'm sitting in meditation never, and go. It never there. goes away. No. <laughs> some of the stuff that comes up, I'll be sitting there meditating. And thinking, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be thinking this about myself. <laughs> it's <a> terrible, terrible <laughs> thing to think about myself. But it happens. And then you go, nah, nah, uh, uh, I'm just witnessing this crazy thought and off it goes. But I really do feel that, that the self doubt, some of it, you know, there's different layers. Partly we are born with a certain character. Then we have influencing, which is, you know, usually first off from our parents and they're throwing in their bits of, you know, imposter syndrome as well. Stuff. <laughs> and, and then, and, and then it's, you know, all our influences, the things that other people say to us. So, you you know, if you say, if you if you're told something often enough, eventually you're going to believe it.
2: Yes. It's the truth.
1: Yes. So that's why if you tell yourself something often enough, you're eventually going to believe it as well. Yes. And science has proven that every cell in our body responds to our thoughts. So if we repeat, there's a cat. If we repeat to ourselves, negative thoughts. <laughs> Isn't <Infinite> real? <laughs> if we repeat to ourselves negative thoughts over and over again, eventually we're going to believe it. One of the classic ones is I treat a lot of anxiety and depression. Now one of the things that is very common with patients that have extreme anxiety is that they repeat to themselves over and over, I feel anxious. I feel anxious and other dialogue that goes with that. Mm. So science has proven that if you very quickly jump in and say, I feel relaxed, I feel relaxed, I feel relaxed, and you just keep doing that, or even if you don't believe it, even if you think this is ridiculous, I do not feel relaxed, mm. keep repeating it, keep repeating it. The cells in your body respond to your thoughts.
2: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, and the cells can't identify between truth or not truth in, in in what you just said. Then whether you believe it or you don't believe it, and I and I know, and you'll be able to add to this um, in method acting. Is it with when you're taking on the character and making you know? I think Anthony Hopkins when he did um, what was that movie that he did with the Clarissa and the head thing on his on his
2: face. The
0: silence scary. of the lambs. Yes. The Ooh. silence of the lambs. And he said that it took months for him Ooh. to overcome that because he took on, took on his body Yeah. believe that he was that character. That's so right. that's just testament and backing up what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So moving on, do you feel women are still apologising for being in the conversation?
1: Probably not so much, but that sort of takes us full circle to the beginning when I was saying how, you know, there is that we're going through that transition, you know, the transition where there are a lot of women that have well and truly taken big steps before us. You know, Jane Fonda comes to mind, you know, there are, there are you know, I mean, let's not think for one second that we are, you know, we're creating a path here. We're continuing a path, but, you know, there's some women before us that, and they didn't give, they didn't give in, you know, if, if we were back in that time, we may have gone, this is just too hard. This is just, I just keep getting knocked down every time I take a step. So, so it's been, it's happened before, but at the current time, I think there's a, So many women that are stepping forward now and and I can think of a lot of women I know and and a lot of my patients that are in, in roles in life that not so long ago would have been almost impossible to achieve.
0: Oh, absolutely, and it's so exciting. What do you think of Kamala Harris?
1: Oh, Kamala, I think is extraordinary, and I also know a few little bits and pieces personally about her because um, she also doesn't have children, and I won't go into her personal story of that. But but she has um, done a lot with that, and that's part of my work is that I help. Not only do I help women to um, become pregnant, but I help women move into a new stage of life when they can't. And uh, Kamala Harris is a great example of that that she found in life a a strength that we all have. She found an inner strength to become a leader Mm. and to lead other women, Mm. children or no children, uh, to find to, to to discover that they are Amazing, you know mm. she you know Kamala Harris wants people to feel good, mm,
0: you can hear hear it in that beautiful nurturing tone the first time I heard her speak, yeah, she smiles and she's present, and she's there and um, I heard Oprah say something, and I don't know that it was in direct relation to Kamala, but it was about let's stop trying to smash through the glass ceiling. let's actually. Want to know what's on the other side. Let's get familiar with what's on the other side. and I do feel with Kamala taking this position that finally there's this where're we're feeling the breath on the the air on our faces of of that crack it's actually opening up and we've got that now uh, leadership that can hopefully lead us forward through that. Mm.
1: Do you well, feel the same way? I, I do. And the few people I know that uh, know Kamala personally, have what they've told me about her appeals to me a lot. Yes. Because we don't want to just be a strong woman that steps into a man's role and plays it the same way. No. And she's not that. She's authentic. You know, I love that word because it's important. Mm. She's authentic because she wants to do the role. She wants to play that. doesn't want to play it. She wants to be that role to make a difference with, as Kamala. Mm. With
0: that's her a difference. With the difference. It's a difference. That's the difference and that's the magic and that's what I, I'm just, you know, jumping around beaming. Um, mm. Really, not because of all the other things that have gone on with the, the American politics, but the fact that she's there and she is. You know, I don't actually like using the word authentic because I think it's so overused and used in the wrong context.
1: But in this, I think that it's, it's perfect. Um, I love the word because the true definition, and it's unfortunate, yes, it is overused, but maybe because it's such a great word. It's not my favourite. Terrific is my favourite word, actually, but and, and very underused these days. But authentic because, to me, it's something to strive for. Not not a word to be used all the time, but something to be strived for is to be that
2: Absolutely. You know,
1: definition of the word, yeah.
0: So on that note, and, and we're coming to the end of the interview today, but can you just encapsulate where you believe great inspiration and leadership comes from?
1: Mm. It's a big question, Lisa. Just put that in a little cu- couple of words. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no like, pressure. I, like, I know Jules and she's not going to make this easy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think...
0: Before you answer that, can I encourage you? Yeah. Because you've got so much in your belief system and your practice. Mm. Give me the answer from that space, you know, in all of your practices, in your ashrams, and your, you know, studying with your gurus, mm. et cetera. Where does it come
1: from from there? Because I think that's what we want to hear. For me? Mm.
2: It's 2 o'clock
1: sorry about that recording on my on my computer the where it comes from for me and the way that i take every step this hasn't always been like this mm. and i hope this answers your question mm. is i think slowing down you know, pour, literally pausing and listening and, fi- and, and listening to my own voice mm-hmm. internally
2: mm-hmm.
1: and externally. I step in front of a mirror and talk to myself sometimes. I sometimes, and you'll be proud, I sometimes sing to myself in a mirror okay. because you really hear yourself and see, you discover where you're at. So let's go back to the raw question for a second. So you're asking about. We're, where do you believe inspiration and great leadership comes, uh, from. comes from? Yeah, from what well, the desire firstly and f- doing the work to find that strength. You, you have to, those people have done a lot of work that are in those roles, whether it's Kamala, whether it's Oprah Winfrey, you know, w- whether it's Mother Teresa. You oh, extraordinary work. Discipline yeah yeah it just doesn't it just doesn't come from a good idea it comes from doing the work and having to confront a lot of your own uh, demons you know we are a combination of dark and light mm-hmm. and if we're only trying to strive in one of those hemispheres we're going to be challenged mm. we have to accept. The, the both aspects to ourselves mm. and I think when that happens and we do the work we find joy and contentment and through joy and contentment we're able to teach and and um lead, lead and I, think, others.
0: I think to that joy and that contentment then leads to a sense of trust Yes. Trust in yourself, trust in the process, trust mm. in the universe, trust in the flow, whatever the belief system is that you have. And trust for me is something that I'm always striving for. Mm. In, in myself, in my practice, is this true? The impeccable word to the self is something that I love practicing. Mm. Are you being true to yourself on everything, every single day? And when they, you've got that trust, that's when that flow and that ease of speaking your truth comes forward.
1: Because you feel more comfortable in yourself mm. when you speak the truth mm. and f- or even more importantly feel that, that mm. truth, that you feel much more comfortable and yeah. confident, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, how do you think people feel when you leave the room?
1: Um. Well, it's a bit of a cheat, really, because people tell me quite a bit. That's great. You can use that. (laughs) I have a way of making people feel quite relaxed, and part of that is my voice. And it's not deliberate. It just happens, and I'm really incredibly grateful to have that in my voice and to have that in my being and my nature. Um, I really enjoy that. It's, it's getting dark in here. It's. I just, I could see that. I can see that Melbourne's doing its infamous afternoon turn. It's getting a big thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting. <laughs> um, it, which is great because what we're talking about deserves that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's when I, I I feel that that's what I give people is that. And, and what more would you want? You know, I feel very mm. content with that. Like I said, I feel great, very grateful mm-hmm. for that. Being able to support, which is a big word, support um, the people around me, mm-hmm. um, if we're talking about the people I look after patient-wise, supporting them in wherever they need to go, yeah. And and
0: it really is a magnificent legacy, that you, are, that you are leaving, Jaws, is that you're making so much impact onto people's lives for the better. And I do feel that the legacy of what people will talk about when you've passed on from this planet, they don't talk about your car, they don't talk about how much money you made, but they talk about how you made them feel in those conversations. And I think that that's where we have to all operate and what are we not doing today to make sure that we're in alignment with that
1: belief system. Absolutely, Lisa.
0: Jules, we're coming to the end, as I said. What's next for you and for you to reach your fullest potential? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I uh, am am still young, but I have uh, hit middle age. (laughs) So the, the changes that have happened without even any effort or any thought have been to uh, give myself a lot more time. So I've managed to find a way to do that without having to cut any time with for anyone else. So it's just a, it's something that's happened. But slowing down, I think, and really listening to myself, um, I, I think continuing on the path that, that I am, am going, um, looking after other people but like I said really looking after myself but along with looking after myself like I said earlier I really believe in giving more than I receive because you'll always be topped up we always get topped up it's like you know, when you think you don't have any money for a loaf of bread, and, you know, I've had this in my younger years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, oh, i have all been there. Yeah, it didn't come from money. I, I've eaten, you know, the only thing in the house with potatoes with little things growing out of them. <laughs> but when you think that it's all gone and that you've really got nothing left, you get topped up, right? mm mm-hmm the more you give the more you get topped up but i think it's important to always keep being grateful for what you receive and that's where i live my my time is i could not be more grateful there isn't anything i can think of that i would want not at this time you know maybe eventually i might wish for something but at this time in my life there is nothing that i want or need mm. i feel my cup is overfloweth lisa excellent
0: and if people want to look you up and work with you you do work with people all over the world you're based in melbourne aren't you mm-hmm. and yes. they can reach out we will, we will of course put all of the links to julie and what she's got running at the moment she's got all like, different programs and books etc that you can yeah. tap into thanks for joining me today to strengthen your voice you want to be heard and you deserve to be heard We're here to make sure that the woman's voice is heard. I'm Lisa Lachlan-Bell, and together we are The Woman's Voice. Thanks to our official sponsor, The Voice Draw. For more information on your voice, go to thewomansvoice.com.au.